Hello, I'm Olivia Braffman and welcome to If She Can, I Can, the podcast that aims to edge all of us ambitious women that little bit closer to navigating how on earth we get the high-flying career we love and have kids without totally burning yourself out and challenges the role society thinks we're supposed to play in it all. How? By talking each week to inspiring women who have proven the statistic wrong and have done just that. Let's get into it. This week, I'm joined by Hattie Ashdown, comedian, MC, broadcaster, writer, and actor. Regarded as one to watch, she co-created Comedy Central's sitcom Give Out Girls, is a regular on the stand-up circuit, having played pretty much every top venue across the UK without listing them all, and is a radio regular. I want to understand more and I'm so excited to get into this because I'm learning that a career in comedy for women used to be near impossible post kids, the touring, the late nights, there is a lot of sexism across the industry and I'm sure a lot of this still exists and isn't easy but step in Hattie who has two kids and who decided to publicly open up about it, notably through launching and hosting her brilliant podcast Funny Mummies the parenting podcast for those who hate parenting podcasts, where she has a good old honest chat to some incredible funny mums about the realities of how they make it work. Welcome, Hattie Ashman. Oh, thank you for having me. It's not... <laughs> there's, there's nothing like the showbiz of a podcast with my husband scrabbling around in the background in my bedroom. I'm like... Excuse me, I'm going to get one of those, uh, you know, like those old-fashioned recording in progress signs. Oh, yeah, that would be good. I need one of those too. Yeah. I need one of those. There's currently building works going on next door, so I'm like, I feel you in terms of yeah. everything. Although I don't think they would listen if you put one of those signs on. They wouldn't care. Or kids. <laughs> kids don't work. I mean, my kids, if my kids are here, they'd definitely be coming in because they just don't care. I've sent that husband out with the baby. Oh, Otherwise, that would be impossible. Uh, Physically impossible. You've got the newborn. Yes. I do. I do. So, Hattie, anyone that essentially has a job that a university degree or diploma <laughs> doesn't naturally lead itself to or isn't on like the list of jobs that you get at school when they're like, think about what you want to do with your life, <gasps> really excites me. Mm. And I want you to just walk me way back to where it started for you. And how you landed on comedy being your career path? Well, it definitely, yeah, definitely wasn't in the school sort of choices or one of those forms you have to fill out where you fill out things that you like doing and then it comes out florist, I think it came out for me, which actually (laughs) is pretty right for where I'm going at the moment, actually, with some of my creative (laughs) side of things. The comedy side didn't really come about until quite late really but yeah I started out in college I did performing arts so I I was like I didn't know what I wanted to do and I'll be honest I think I was like oh I'll be an actor um uh, after I did some of it started from doing a school play where I think I quite liked the attention <laughs> and that was a comedy role actually I was thinking about it the director knew what he was doing our teacher basically <laughs> um <laughs> went to college and had the best two years of my life and thought I definitely want to do something in that world of performing arts and was going to go to drama school but I didn't get into drama school I don't think I was very good at auditioning in them days really nerve-wracking and I didn't I knew I didn't do good auditions so when I got into university I was like 
well, again, you know, I don't know what I want to do. So just keep going, don't you? I was lucky enough. Well, not lucky enough, but because my mum was a widow, she was, you know, single parent. So we had quite a lot of bit of help. You wouldn't get that my help now. It's all different now. But I'm not going to get political. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it was like, well, if I've got this support, I'll go to university, did performing arts there. That was a bit more academic than I probably wanted it to be. But yeah, thinking about it, the comedy didn't really come back. I went, you know, like I, comedians I meet now are like at uni and they're like doing stand up. And I think, wow, imagine what it would have been like if I'd started then. I, you know, it would have got things going a bit lot sooner. But then, you know, it was after I left, I think I was a bit like, do I want to become an actor or do I want to become a presenter? You can see where the two start merging. And then. I'd always loved radio, always, ever since I was a child. My mum played the radio all the time. It was on. It was the constant background noise to our house. And then when I was going to college, I used to listen to Radio 1. You know, I, I don't know. I just always loved, loved radio. So then when I left university and a friend of mine, no, I did this course. Oh, I love a course. I do. I really do love a course. And it was like a, it was like a government thing. It was free, but it was connected to BBC London Radio. And so when you did the course, if you were lucky, you'd get a bit of work experience there. Oh, Off wow. I go. Then it turns out one of my friends was working there. So that did kind of help, I guess. And I worked there for a little bit, just doing like the telephones and all that kind of thing. I had my own little section for a while called Hattie's Haberdashery. And I used to go, <laughs> like, it was some producer's idea. That is so awesome. I, knew, I was like, you're kidding, aren't you? I said, I know nothing about like crafts or particularly you know clothes and stuff like now I love my upcycling of furniture and stuff but clothes no not interested he was like look you're just gonna like report on what's going on in London to do with crafty stuff I was like okay so I did that for a while I did sort of like what's on in London type you know when the someone comes on is this like your full-time post-uni work yeah but it wasn't full-time and I guess that's where the sort of doing promo work came in to make money because there was no money really in it i'd be going to do promo work which for people that don't know one go and check out my sitcom but you won't be able to watch it because there's no way you can watch it <laughs> that you for free anyway you have to i don't know it's i keep getting people on twitter asking me like where i can watch it and i'm like oh, you have to pay different i don't know itunes like have a tv bit I don't know. Oh, I'm wow. really not selling it, am I? But it's just because uh, it was on Comedy <laughs> Central and it was called Give Out Girls and it was all about promo work. And we only did one series. And it was back in the day where they didn't really have a catch-up service, you know? So I don't really know. So people often ask me. So it's something I need to get onto to sort of say, right, you know, I need it to be on somewhere. But you might be able to find a loophole. People always find some way, don't they? So that was all about promo girls, which is just basically... Most of the time, it's people that are out of work actors or dreamers or lazy people that don't want to get a full time job. You'll be sampling some new pop drink on the streets or <laughs> outside a station. So I would do that pretty much from when I left university. I think the first day out of university, I was standing giving out flavored bottles of Evian with fruit on my head. I think that was the first day. So that kept me you know fed really and it was fun you know because you were with other actors and performers and so I did that for a long long time but the comedy sort of again <laughs> came I was like kind of like oh where am I going you know blah 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 and I joined the actor center and 
you do courses there and they had a stand-up course and that was it really I did the stand-up and you love a course and I love a course and I did the stand-up course I didn't really love that teacher I wouldn't say he inspired me but I did like for your first show you have to do five minutes of anything and I did a character at the time so I was sort of nervous and then it was actually I hate to say it was actually a boyfriend at the time who sort of helped me I only say I hate to say because I hate that this man has helped me (laughs) but he gave me the but he was in the business you know and he gave me I got it he was very good at encouraging me you know he was like look just be yourself don't do a character well or you know why don't you try that and then that was it I just you just book up I think at the time there was a lot of fashion to do like oh stand-ups that become presenters and stuff. Mm. Were you thinking that's your route in or or did you start doing stand-up and you were like oh, I love this like this is my thing. I'll be really honest it was a route in and it's so mad that I remember at the time it was seen as like oh god all these presenters coming along they're not real comedians they just want to be presenters and now I just think I should have gone yeah what's the problem but at the time you're like no no I'm a real comedian and so yeah so I did my first gig but was like surprisingly happy even though it was like quite awful in some ways like wasn't many people there only a few laughed it was really I was talking about a day it was really foggy like nightclub smoke and I don't know if they did that so you just couldn't see that there was no one in the audience (laughs) (laughs) that's so nice but yeah and then that's a really nice thing for them to do I don't know but that's how I remember it maybe it's just that's how I remembered it (laughs) that is nightclubs though I used to work in a nightclub and half the time you're just sort of waffing away fog to figure out who's in front of you yeah it's definitely a thing Mm. so and then from then on I was just gigging and you know, still trying to get a presenting job. And I can't, I mean, I can't remember exactly the timeline of things, but I was lucky to do some presenting for Channel 4. And when E4 was sort of really trying to take off, it was like lots of like either comedy interviewing, interviewing comedians or music. I had some great opportunities of going to different music festivals and yeah, interviewing. So you kind of had the best of both. You were doing a bit of comedy and a bit of presenting. Yeah, yeah. At the same time. Yeah, sadly, they had this whole idea and then it, it didn't take off, whatever that was. I can't remember. Oh my God, I can't remember the timelines. And then, yeah, somewhere around there then came about the sitcom idea. Well, I want to dig into this. Like, First of all, I just want to understand the life of a comedian. So when you're working in your world full time, how do you build a career in it? Do you need an agent do you go around doing stand-up for free before because that's the only way to get noticed and then you start being booked and paid for the slots how does tv and radio come in is it kind of a who you know business what does it mean to have to have that career I mean I've been around for a while now and I think it's (laughs) different now to when I started it's always gonna help if you know somebody it really is unless that somebody is not very well respected as I learned the hard way once (laughs) oh god I once said, "Damn it, I know the wrong." Yeah, I once said to a presenter, Ian Lee, and I said, "Oh, you know, blah blah blah." Said his name, and his face dropped, and I thought, "Oh God, he doesn't like him." (laughs) That's the wrong one. Yeah, (laughs) shit. So I thought, yeah, always be careful. (laughs) It feels like it happens a lot quicker now, but 
for me was like, yeah, you just, you just, do you mean how do you start getting money in stand up or? Yeah, like how do you build a career in comedy from it being a passion and you do a course and you come out of the course going, oh, quite like that. I want to pursue that. I'm like, for people at home and me, like totally naive to this world, like how, how do you do it? Well, I think now it's the thing is you've got so many platforms now so we talked to on my podcast funny mummies alexa strum who has built a very good career on tiktok through years of doing she's done stand-up she's done sketch and so she's got a certain amount of followers now she can start making a little bit of money and so there is so many different ways but for me when i started out back in the 1800s it was <laughs> you just gigged and gigged and gigged. you did open mic nights you know for free a lot of working for free and being nice being you know don't be shy I mean there's lots that are shy and they still make it but this might take a bit longer or whatever I don't know or being the right there's a lot of being in the right place at the right time and you know yeah just not getting disheartened and then you sort of choose what way you want to go you're like do do I want to become a clubbing comic which you're sort of make a quite good living but you've got to drive because you've got to go up and down the country or you might you want to be a superstar (laughs) and you still got to go gigging up and down the country but look at more other media things you want to do so like making sketches blah 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 but to say it's you know it's changed so much I mean you take like someone like Michael McIntyre that's what he would done he would have gigged up and down the country and then someone discovers him and gets an agent it is like he hits someone discovered it's a bit like being a pop star yeah yes yes it is but what people like about it is you're more in control of your own destiny you're not waiting around for yes you are if you if you want an agent but you can get on without an agent yeah 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 you know so you're not waiting around to get signed or you're not waiting around for the next play to come along and that's why so many people go into it and then because now people can make their own sketches have their own youtube page you can start making money from YouTube if you get a certain amount. There's so many different ways to make money. However, as I wrote in another article <laughs> on Chortle, loads of stand-ups still who, you know, professional, been going for a long time, have a part-time job. Might be part-time. And some of them don't mind it. They're like, I just see it as having two jobs. You know, and that's how they go. So if you want to be rich... Yeah, don't get into comedy unless you're lucky and you've got like really high up relatives that are big producers or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it makes sense. And then as a female comedian, what are you up against? So I look at lineups a lot and women are commonly quite outnumbered in those lineups. Like, why is that? Do you think it's harder to be a a female comedian? Oh, do you think so? I don't know if it's harder or do you think there's a reason why less women the lineups like in london are are a lot lot better but i think if you go out of london some of these little small places or just out of london there's still like one woman on a lineup but the diversity generally is still you know something people are slipping back into old ways there was like a you know a resurgence People were suddenly looking at their lineups, but now I can see things slipping a bit. And I'm like, oh god! I do think generally in London, it's quite varied. I don't know, just old-fashioned, sexist, <laughs> racist producers, unfortunately, that are just set in their ways. 
probably booking the same people over and over that they like or whatever and they're not the trouble is with some of the producers outside of London and small or just outside London they're not probably going to see anything new and blah 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 do you know what I mean they've got a bit stuck so yeah they all need a bit of a reshuffle but it's so so much better I mean it used to be you'd never gig with another oh got a girl on tick you know uh you'd never gig with another girl but now it's it is generally a lot 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 better and it's just about speaking out but you know I don't know how much women still speak out because no one wants to upset anyone so they want to be it's the same with any industry isn't it like everyone's a bit scared to lose opportunity if they say they don't want to be seen as a so-called troublemaker yeah exactly I called out what I would say was sort of micro racism in the green room. And I did tell the producer because it was more that, you know, the guy who, so it was a white guy and a black guy, and I thought he would feel uncomfortable. I mean, he handled it so well. And I was kind of like not in the room, but in the room, I was kind of walking in and out. And I just couldn't believe what he was saying. It was one of those things where I was like, I wish I'd said something, but I was kind of like, I don't mean I was doing nothing like I'm not getting involved, but it was their conversation. I wasn't in the conversation, if you get what I mean. I did say something. I did sort of say something to him afterward, but it's tricky when you're about to go on and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, turns out this bloke's been causing trouble before anyway. But it was really risky calling it out because I thought he might just go, even though I know this guy quite well who put the night on, I thought he might just think, oh, she, I'm going to book her again because I just want a smooth gig. I don't want anyone causing any trouble but he did thankfully and uh wow. yeah I bet that's like the perfect result because you probably felt so good after you said something you're like you know all those times that you walk away from situations being like oh I wish I said something but when you do yeah that's about good. yeah yeah but no not really experienced any sexism for a while thank god <laughs> well what's it like when you've got kids so and here's my wild assumption so you've got two kids you're, you're in comedy, you've built up a name for yourself, you've got the sitcom, you're doing stand-up, you then fall pregnant with your first child. Walk me through what your plan is, what you're thinking then. Are you pregnant on stage? Are you choosing to be like, I'll just do a bit of behind-the-scenes stuff, like how you're feeling, it's late nights, it's days away from home, like what's going on? I think, Olivia, I've never really had a plan. I go into things a little bit delusional. This is what I've realised about myself as I'm only recently actually was talking about delusion. And I was like, bloody hell, I think I've just done that my whole career. I just have an idea, whether it be, oh, I've got this sitcom idea. I know no one in that world. How can I get it made? Well, I'll just keep talking to people. Or, oh, I think I should have a kid before it's too late, <laughs> before I'm too old. I'll just do that. <laughs> But I sort of wish I'd been a bit more planning. I wish I'd been a bit more like, well, I'll have a kid and then maybe while I'm having the kid, I could do this sort of work or blah, blah, blah. What I realised was that literally as I went along, I had the first kid. With the first kid, it wasn't too bad. I could still do a lot of stuff. Like I used to have a part-time job looking after an autistic adult and and that was okay because we could just about afford childminder for me to go and do that job and my husband would go and pick him up so that was fine as I say I had that job for ages and I enjoyed it (laughs) it sounds awful but I used to get a lot of admin done on my phone on the way to work you know so it would all be like "Mm, I'm 
really making a lot of money with that job, but it's a good sort of like regular money coming in. Did that and then, yeah, I was gigging when I was pregnant. But it's a bit different now. I notice a lot of other comics do a lot more gigging right up until they're going to drop. I was a bit in pain. I was like, I had a lot of pain towards the end of my pregnancy. Very uncomfortable. So I didn't want to be gigging. But yeah, I mean, it's awful. I didn't really have a plan. I just <laughs> was like... Maybe that's oh, well, the best way. I think I get so worried because I'm like, I need the plan. I feel so stressed without the plan. But actually, when does it go to plan? <laughs> when does anything go to plan? Exactly. They say live day by day. But it doesn't bode for very um, <laughs> for money <laughs> very well. But I mean, I was lucky at the time my husband had a good job. What does your husband do? He was doing a different job then, but um, at that time he was sort of working in digital marketing research, blah, blah, blah. But when I met him, he was doing stand-up as well. That job was very flexible with stand-up, so that he sort of worked well. And that's the dream. You want something that's flexible with stand-up. I was enjoying having him and sort of like getting about. I was one of those mums that was getting about. Oh, and then, yeah, and then that's how Scream of Laughter came about because I went to watch my friend and my baby was about five, six months old. And my friend was performing at one. They said, oh, you should come and do a spot. Did a spot. And then they were like, you should run one. So then I run one in South London and ended up taking it over because she she was going to give it up anyway. So good. And for those that don't know, Screaming With Laughter is a baby-friendly daytime comedy night. <laughs> I want to say night, day. It's comedy club. It's a night out, but in the day. That's what we say. So it's been going since 2011. Lucy Porter started it, and that's who I took it over from. She had different venues in Chiswick and Ballum and whatever, so I took them over. Yeah, and while the baby was small, that worked really well. I wasn't making a lot of money, but at least I'm gigging and taking the baby along with me. Do you otherwise get, because in in your world, do you otherwise get maternity leave or? No. you you got nothing, right? So when you have a baby, what what's the thought? You're like, I'm, how much time do you take off? I guess it kind of depends on probably what if you've got help elsewhere or a partner to... Well, again, I think the general consensus is if any work, if the baby's three weeks old and any work comes in, you take it because you don't know when the next bit of work's going to come in and three, four, five months with nothing. So, yeah, I do remember going to casting for adverts, being very sweaty, breastfeeding, not good. So hard. Ideally, I would have preferred not to. And then if you're... Are you trying to gig? So you've got a, a baby who... You've got a childminder, I guess, for the day if you've got part-time work or other things going on. And then if you need to go gigging at night, what what are you doing then? I say there's no plan. Part of me thought the, the sitcom was going to be bigger than it was. And obviously it wasn't. And it was a bit like, ah, now what do I do? Do I go back to stand-up? What do I do? And I've had a bit of a break from stand-up then. I've done a few bits when I was pregnant. So I didn't go back very quickly after having him. Apart from, let's say, yeah, doing the lunchtime comedy club. So, so yeah, I was doing a bit. I remember doing an advert once and he was really small and my husband was away working and there was no one to have him and I just had to book one of those agency and it was like, oh my God, I've just left my six month baby with a stranger and I'm there. This makeup artist was like, oh yeah, your baby's probably halfway across the world now. (laughs) (laughs) So she was a good laugh. Obviously, it was a very reputable agency, blah, yeah, blah, blah. I get it, though. It's hard because you're like, you've got the guilt of, I need to take work because work's come in and you like yeah. what you do and you're onto something. But you've got a kid and someone's got to take care of it. Yeah, I don't have a lot of family around 
me that live near me or that are available you know they've all got full-time jobs and stuff so do you ever just think because you're obviously doing something you love and it's so creative and you're really kind of master your own destiny because you kind of carve the path that that you want no one's full-time employing you to do one particular thing do you ever just think oh it'd be really easy if I just was full-time employed and oh yeah all the time just got paid to be off like I wonder if that's I obviously you've chosen the path for a very particular reason but do you ever even though it's not what you want to do do you ever get that feeling of wouldn't it be easier yes and no I think again go back this article I wrote for Chorter, which was about why are people embarrassed about and stand up having a second job. And, you know, one of the points one comedian made was just that it takes the pressure off getting enough comedy gigs and stuff. And then you, so you enjoy comedy more because you're doing it for the love and not worrying about, oh, have I got enough gigs to pay the rent sort of thing? And I did take a part-time job recently for that reason. I just didn't want the pressure to keep getting work to like, oh, been rejected for this audition or this piece of writing. So I thought oh, I'd get a part-time so-called normal job. And sadly, I left because I, did. I loved the job. I just didn't get on very well with the boss. <laughs> but that, you know, I don't know. Some might say I'm just not used to working for the man. So <laughs> maybe I just like, I've been my own boss for too long. But it was working in a shop. I loved the shop and loved the people. But um, yeah, I couldn't bloody hack it. She was nasty. She was nasty, toxic woman. So in answer to your question, yes, I'll be honest, all the time, what that did teach me was, even though I left because of the boss, it was exhausting doing the day job and then going and doing the gigs was exhausting. And then there was no flexibility with the kids. You know, if one was sick or whatever, or they had a parent's day thing, then a really good job these days. I mean, these sort of like media jobs, it was all about flexibility for mums and stuff like that. I, You know, I read a lot. I think there's... If you work for somewhere really good, they're meant to support you, aren't they? As a as a woman and yeah, mother, I think it mother. depends. It depends, doesn't it? But yeah, she was I not think... supportive of me being a mum and wanted to seem seemed like she wanted to make it as hard as possible. So I was like, right, this isn't gonna work. But in this modern world of working and people can work from home I thought she'd be a bit more with it she wasn't you know the point is if the, as long as the work's done and covered or whatever it shouldn't it shouldn't matter but some people just I think a lot of bosses don't like a lot of this new working from home and stuff because they can't control it and the fact of the matter is everyone's probably working a lot harder than they ever did before because they're sat at home on their laptops as opposed to in the office where they're probably having a a little coffee break every five minutes talking yeah, to someone. Yeah, I think so. I think people like to be trusted as well. You like work better if you feel like someone actually trusts you to get on with something. Yeah, but I see my friends that do a lot of like, you know, they do like copyright work or stuff like that and they're working from home and sometimes they're like, oh, I'm just going to log on and, you know, like so they know I've logged on and they're all scared and I know Mother Pucker, I don't know if you follow her, um, you know, obviously her th- is a flex appeal thing and it's all about flexible working, whether it be parents or people that are just looking after somebody. I feel like I've gone off on a tangent that you didn't want now. <laughs> no, but I do agree and I love the flex appeal thing and I wish that every business had the same perspective with it because I work in a really flexible way, but my husband doesn't. And therefore, it's just still going to fall on one person. But is that because he's a man or is that who he works for? That's, he works for the NHS. He's a doctor. So 
Oh. That is just because I guess they can't it's quite difficult for doctors to be like, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> be right back, gonna work from home tomorrow. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> you just want that turn thing. You want the, the school call the dad, not just you all the time or, or, or whatever. Um and yeah, this is something I felt strongly about because with screaming with laughter, it is mostly mums that come because it's mostly mums that are on the paternity leave. But every now and again we'll get a dad's as well i hear some lovely stories but i'm always saying you know they say they just need more dads to at least ask and put it out there because i know so what was your situation with your husband how did you approach it so you've got two kids and then how are you dividing and conquering the old company you work for again very sort of hip guys that run this company he had one or two months off so it was great and bringing that baby home that first month was lovely. We just in the mornings go for coffee and muffins, and I have such fond memories of those early days because he could be off as well. And you know, and I've heard horror stories of bosses saying, "Oh, you've got a week. You know what can you do?" <laughs> it's all about the mum, and it's like there's a lot they can do, even if they are breastfeeding. They can cook and clean and keep the house tidy and blah, 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 and walk the baby when you need a nap or, you know, just be there and bond with that baby as well. So, But did you take on the role as kind of primary yeah, caregiver generally? Do you think that's because of your career or is that just you as a person, you were like, this is what, this just kind of feels like the right thing to do for us? Again, Olivia never planned it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was not like just right. like had the baby and were like, all right, what? I know, no, I know, what? awful. I never went right. Right, I'm going to be. I remember him once saying to me, "Do you know what? I think I'd be quite happy being a stay-at-home dad if that was how it worked out." And at the time, he had, you know, a good stable job, and I was just sort of doing bits of promo. So it was like, okay, well, no, that's not how it's going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to be me and I was breastfeeding which I know doesn't completely matter because you can express and all like that but he very much we were 50 50 in the care we took turns in getting up and I'd express milk and blah 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 but I think probably in the back of my mind I always felt like I wanted to be the one at home and then as time went on I think he was less like yeah I don't know if I do want to be stay at home dad actually <laughs> my situation is the total opposite where my husband would love to be this stay-at-home dad. But again, it's like circumstances just mean that that's just not feasible. He gets two weeks off and I get longer off. I two get weeks. Much, I get, obviously, we're allowed to take a year, but I get much more than that. And mm. so it would feel weird for him to be off and just not getting paid anything Yeah, to look after the baby versus me getting paid, but then choosing not to take it and going back to work. So then you just falls on someone generally because you're like, well, it's going to fall on the one that logically makes the most sense. I know. It's mad, isn't it? <sighs> it's not one fair. of those. It is one of those weird things. I want to talk about your podcast. So your podcast, Funny Mummies. Mm-hmm. I was saying to you before we started recording, anyone that started a podcast before lockdown, I'm just like, well, that's bloody amazing. You're the, <laughs> you're the OG of podcasting because I feel like 100% of podcasts were born yeah. in 2020 and, and after. Why did you start it and what was the main kind of driving force behind doing it? Well, do you know what? I really was ahead of my time because I had had another one called uh, Hattie's Run in a Bath. Oh, yeah. And now I think I wish I'd made a bigger thing of that, but it was like not everyone had a podcast then. It, <laughs> it does feel like a little bit like 
this has happened in my career a few times <laughs> where like I've done it before other people but then other people come along and it's been bigger for them do you know what I mean but I think it's about sticking to it isn't it and I did that like now with, with that's what they say with podcasts it's about output and uh, consistency consistency. uh and you didn't know all that I just did like I don't know what 10 episodes or something of running a bath and I should have done more because I was enjoying it but I thought oh okay that it felt like I think I was coming at it from the point of view like radio dramas almost where you like you just kind of have a couple of episodes and that's that so I did that but I did really I really enjoyed it and obviously I've done the different radio shows I've done different uh, local radio stations and the weird thing is that I did Croydon radio I did North London M1 FM all these little small radio stations but they used to help me with material a lot weirdly you know because you're just chatting and you know and you're just sort of having a laugh and then before you know it, you're like oh that, that was about to get on stage they, they always helped with that and then I did one for Resonance I don't know if anyone's ever heard there was a small radio station they're still going called Resonance FM and they're online and then I did Soho Radio and I was doing it for a show called The Other Woman Show and then from that I was interviewing female comics and then I just decided to brand it and sort of go right I'll just talk to comedians that are mums just to sort of give it a bit of a brand connected to my lunchtime comedy club in a way and I thought I was interested in how, a little bit like yourself in a way, but just from the comedy perspective of how do people juggle it all. But also it's more just a, a woman's podcast and, you know, celebrating that and how good. And we just happen to have kids. So that's why the tagline used to be, you know, for people that hate parenting podcasts, because that's not what we want to do. We're not given advice by any means. Hopefully it makes people feel better because, you know, we're all struggling and trying to work it out and actually talking about like just the realities of it and that they're pretty and they're very real you know they're very real I sort of I'm in this world all the time and I'm all comedians are sort of just like blagging it winging it and then every now and again I'll hear another podcast and it's all like perfect perfect and I'm like oh my god it's not all perfect I just thought oh if it was me I'd be interested to like how do comedians become comedians and then become a parent or are they a parent and then they become a comedian and how does that all work alongside each other so I thought that there's that aspect but sometimes a whole podcast we don't even talk about the kids I think the last one with Alexis we talked about the, her kids for about five minutes and there's something there's nice that it kind of mixes it up a bit but what have you learned when you're speaking to these comedians who are parents mm. how are they doing it what is the secret sauce generally? Is it that they've everyone's got really supportive partners that are allowing them to make it work? Or is there a kind of secret sauce to how to continue to be an awesome comedian and be a parent? I think I'm still working that out. For some, for a lot, it's probably is a good support system, whether that be a partner, whether that be grandparents. Um we we try and be very honest about that because I get very strong, have very strong feelings about that. I think I spoke about it in that Guardian article mm. um, that people... Which I'm going to link, by the way, because it was an awesome you. article. That I think I quoted in there about Holly Walsh. I was bang on about it, but it was so refreshing to be like, because she's got a nanny and she was open about it. That is my dream to have a nanny, by the way. And then I could get so much more work because a lot of time I have to say no to work because you don't know when it's going to finish. And it's this is the only world that this sort of work 
happens. Now you'll hear the bigger stars going, oh my God, it's so great now. You know, you can take your baby on set, not for little old me. If I said, yeah, I'll do that, but I've got to bring my seven-year-old, be all right, he'd bring his Nintendo. They'd be like, F off. For the little man, the water woman, unfortunately is not the same. I get annoyed when these bigger stars say, oh, it's so supportive now. They have these crushies on set, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it is if you're really well known. And they've got really well known before they've had kids, so they can command what they want, I guess. Yeah. Or I guess like for me, it would be, I'd have to pay a sitter just so I make sure but, you know, it'd be good for them to know, like, you know, I'm paying by the hour, this sitter, if you can be just a little bit mindful of that when we're filming for hours and hours. Again, that's another tricky one. That's another topic for conversation. And that's what that article was partly about, was people don't always want to be honest because they don't want to be seen as a nuisance. And I guess maybe men aren't making the same demands and they're going, well, you know what, I've had to organise childcare. I'm, if I'm going to do the gig, I'm going to have to organise childcare and therefore I need, I need kind of, like, to agree all the terms up front, can't be too flexible. It's like... Yeah, we need dads to... Have that conversation. So, yeah, so what have I learned? Uh, yeah, I've learned it's support. I think a lot of them probably is similar to me. There probably is something in being a comic, in that delusion, just kind of to see what happened, you know, especially some of the ones where they had good jobs, like they were teachers or whatever, and then they went into stand-up full-time and they got kids. And also it's happening more and more. Like, I speak to loads of women who some of them have purposefully delayed having kids because they wanted to get to a certain point in their career without any disruption I hate to use the word disruption but oh so disrupting you know silly kids <laughs> but you know what I mean like some people do do that and then maybe you get to a point where you're like there's a biological clock and actually you get to a point where you're like well I can't I can't now which is we're just working out we're just working out there are all the without sounding slushy there are all the joys of of what it brings in terms of making you a different person, making you more determined. I wasted a lot of time before, you know, all that time I had in a day. And then suddenly you're not got that time in a day. So it does change you. It changes you for the better, for the worse sometimes, because you're more tired and you're ratty. Your work ethic. It's a whole new perspective. Changes. Yeah. yeah. Do you love what you do? Do you love being a comment? And I ask this because I'm like, at what point, and I always think this about all, careers at what point do you think it's worth it what I mean by that is when you're a parent possibly more a mother than a father but I, I don't know I've never been a father <laughs> a lot of what you do needs to be justified in your head or in mine at least so I'm going to pay for I don't know full-time childcare so that I can work or I'm going to go on the 10-day work trip away from my kids because it presents me with x opportunities or it makes me feel great or it provides me with a bit of extra income so I can go and do x with my family there's always like a justification and I'm always thinking, do I love what I do? And at what point is it worth it? Cause that's always what's going on in my head. But where do you stand? That's so deep because like, that's the thing that I felt and I hate the word guilt. We have to get rid of that word as guilt as mothers because men don't feel it. Men don't say it. It's not even in their vocabulary. We have to get rid of it. But it is so true in the sense that for me at the moment, I am earning, well, at the moment, I'm sort of earning zero, but I have been over the years that we've had the children, I've earned less. So then you question going, okay, so why am I just doing this stand up because I love it? And is, and obviously that is really important. And I obviously stand by, I always say, I'm going off to do a gig. Mummy's going off to work. She's going off to do a show. They know what I do. They've come and seen me. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's a wonderful club called Comedy Club for Kids. I recommend anyone take their kid there. It's brilliant. It's annoying, and that's where the the parent thing comes in and the money thinking thing because you're like, well, am I really, really enjoying it? Am I? What am I getting out of it? Because I'm not getting a lot of money out of it, so I've got to be getting happiness it's got to be making me happy because it's not making me rich uh, is it making me a better person is it making me a better parent you know oh it's exhausting isn't it being a woman in your woman's head <laughs> so um I, yes and answers it's a very strange world i don't know if anybody else feels this in their job but like the other day i had a big gig and it was really important big venue and i was so nervous and all day i was ratty with the kids a bit because i'm sort of like you know nervous. and then it was brilliant and you're on a high and then and then you get you're walking on air and then you're like yeah who needs money man i just you know i think when i was younger we said that thing of like yeah i'm just living a boat i don't care about money blah 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 <laughs> but the trouble is that kids bring you go ah i can't live in a boat um, oh, and child care is really expensive <laughs> and child care is really expensive and they want a bigger garden and we really want to move we need a bigger garden and, and you're like ah i do enjoy it but it's I know it might seem mad to anyone else. They go, but how can you have those days where you're absolutely terrified? But I don't know. That just goes, that goes with it. But don't you think that you need that? Because if you don't have the really terrifying moments to then overcome them, you don't get the really like incredible elation afterwards. It doesn't really happen. They say you need the nerves. If you don't have the nerves, it means you don't care. I've hired stories. All comics have got their own little things that they do in their heads. I've found if I'm not nervous, I'm worried. You know, I think, oh. And the gigs that I'm not nervous at are the ones that don't go as well. Yeah, so true. Listen, I could talk to you all day, but I'm conscious of your time. Thank you. I do want to ask you one last question. <laughs> I've got to get back to finding joy in my bedroom of my... That sounds really that rude, sounds doesn't it? Really... I think you need to explain the context. <laughs> I'm doing the old Maria uh, Con... Maria Kondo, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, finding joy. And, and, and this is partly because I'm going to sell some clothes because it's been a bit... Money's been a bit on, on the low side. <laughs> so I was like, well, sell some clothes. But it is that just sort of weird thing of like, you never know. Tomorrow the phone will go and there'll be something or other. And, and it's therapeutic anyway, just doing the, the old clear out of your life. I always find. As we discovered, yeah, I love clear out. But I do want to ask you one final question and a bit of a reflective one. Mm. What is... Uh-oh. I know you're not a planner, so maybe you're going to be like, I don't know, I've not even thought about it. But <laughs> what is the dream for you? Where do you want everything to go? Like career or family? Where ideally would you like to I was to worried you were going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I studied a lot of uh, stoicism uh, last year when I was doing my Edinburgh show. I did the Edinburgh Fringe last year with a show called The Worry Draw. And The Worry Draw was all about worry <laughs> and how we deal with worry and there was a bit in there about grief because I lost my mum six years ago and she had a thing called the worry draw but through that show I also looked into a thing called stoicism and stoicism don't really believe in goal making but they do say it's okay to move the goalpost a bit so we've got certain little dreams I want to be on live at the Apollo but that doesn't quite happen I think I honestly am just taking each day as it comes. Like I'm enjoying my crafting at the moment. 
you know, I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to be presenting my own show to do with crafting, but who knows? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, do what you love. Sometimes you've got to say it and be like, oh, actually, that would be really cool. I'm starting off very small. So I'm like, this is how small work I'm, I'm like booking myself into a little craft fair <laughs> to get myself a deadline. I do love a deadline. I know I said I don't make date, I don't make plans, but I do love a deadline. And make some crafts, take them along, hopefully sell them. Just going from there, I think I'm sort of about getting hippy-dippy. I'm, I'm going through a bit of a healing stage at the moment after all that with that horrible boss. She was honestly, she was toxic. And I think I'm just kind of like doing that. So then I've got that dream where I'm thinking, oh, I could have my own little shop. And I blah, 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 blah. But then you, your brain goes, but you can't have a shop. How can you run a shop? You don't know how to run a business. I'm trying to switch off that voice. Yeah. Well, you do run your own business at the moment. You work for yourself. Well, exactly. But really, the main dream this year is just getting the podcast bigger. I want to be able to make more revenue from it so that we can give the guests money for childcare. That's always been my dream. So that's my dream this year. That is such a good idea. I'm just sort of trying to take it year by year. So I'm just sort of, that's the dream at the moment. I love that. And to be honest, we never have any perspective on our own lives. And so sometimes when you talk to other people, you see things differently. But to me, you're a massive inspiration because from the day you left uni, where you were like, I'm going to work for myself and I might do acting and presenting and comedy. You've not deterred from that. And you're still on this path of like just owning your own show, owning your own destiny. It's so hard to do that. And it's so much easier to be like, it didn't work or you've had failures along the way where things haven't maybe met up to the expectation that you set for them. But when I see people that carry on going and they continue to do the thing that they love, that is to me the best thing to see ever. Because it's so easy to bend and conform. Yeah, and that's very sweet of you. I mean, I have lots of friends that I went to drama college with and they've sort of in so-called normal jobs and they always say to me, keep going, Hattie, don't give up. It's like I'm I'm carrying the baton for them. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I think, I know, you know, they're in big, powerful jobs. They're all the big, powerful producers in TV and they're on 50, 60 grand a year or whatever. And I just think, oh, God. But they probably don't feel the joy when you stepped off that storytelling stage, <laughs> having had the best <laughs> night ever. They probably haven't had that joy from work in a really long time. Yeah, they don't know what it's like, but an Uber is a treat. You see, they just do Ubers every day. But for me, an Uber is a treat. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I've never really thought about it. But I think from day one, I came out of university and wasn't sort of looking for a job job. When even then, a lot of my friends went and worked in like media sounds because that was the hot job that you could do and they'd let you have time off for auditions. No way was I getting a job in an office. I always knew that's not for me. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. I've always wanted to basically be my own boss, really work for myself. And the only thing that does get in the way of that is kids because you can't control them. So it, it, having kids is an obstacle. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. <laughs> I think it yeah. is an obstacle. It is, but it isn't any job. And I think it's difficult in any to work to make it work in any situation. Well, I guess it's another job, isn't it? And you, until you have it, you don't know whether you're going to like it or be good at it. I think it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought I'd be a bit, lot more patient. <laughs> and definitely too is is that, that's enough for me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much. Happy you're welcome. Thanks for, on. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for being bloody honest because I really appreciate it as always. And 
I will pop all the links below to the comedy club and to your podcast and to the article because it is things that everyone should should have a look at. Thank you. Thank you. I hope that I've proved that if I can, you can. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely can. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please don't forget to leave me a quick review and subscribe. It helps us reach a bigger audience of women more than you know. And if there is an awesome individual who needs to share their story on this podcast, I would love to hear from you. My details are in the description below. I will see you next week.